Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Caligeris, Vice President of Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute and your host for this episode. Today, we are joined by Anari Shaw, who is currently the head of B2B marketing at Ethos, has been in the marketing space for a variety of large companies for a long time and has just a really great view of marketing and really being sort of market-driven marketing. And we're super excited to have her on again. Welcome, Anari. Thank you so much. Excited to be here again. All right. First of all, for those who didn't have the pleasure of listening to us last time, give us a little bit of background about you, what it is that you do, and why you are so passionate about it. Yes, absolutely. I am one of the rare people that has been in product marketing my entire career. I happened to discover it during college and just kind of fell in love with it. And it felt like the perfect mix for what I was really excited about, which is working on products that make people's lives better and taking them to market and communicating them in a way that is clear and easy to understand and really makes people understand the value that they are getting out of them. So I started my career at Microsoft where I worked on Microsoft Office 365 and really converting what was this legacy software product to more of a SaaS model and kind of starting to get this product-led growth culture started at Microsoft. I then spent some time at an education startup called Clever, where we focused on making it easier for schools to use their learning applications. And then I spent about five years doing product marketing at Facebook or Meta, doing a mix of B2B and B2C. So I started on the Facebook app team, working on core products such as Newsfeed and Stories, and then later moved to the WhatsApp team to work on monetization and how WhatsApp can grow by enabling larger businesses to communicate with their customers. For the last year, I've been at a company called Ethos in the insurance technology space, and we make it really easy for Americans to get life insurance in 10 minutes without any medical exams or blood tests. And I started leading product marketing there, and now I lead all of our B2B marketing. Excellent. All right. So that is a very impressive resume from lots of companies that we all know and love. And so I am extra excited to dive in today. As we all know, product marketing is also like my one and first love. So anytime that we can talk about that, it's going to be a good show. I'm excited to chat. 
All right. So one of the things I think that we teach about product marketing, and I know that you believe that that truly successful product marketing comes from being grounded in a real understanding of your buyers, who they are, the language they use, the problems they have, right? That is fundamentally our job is to understand those buyers and then to share that understanding with our partners in marketing, in, in sales and kind of across the company. And I know that that's something that you passionately believe and you've spent your whole career, right? Getting that voice to the customer and then using it to really refine your messaging and your positioning. And so that is the topic that we are going to dive into today. Yes, absolutely. I think fundamentally, product marketing is about reflecting the voice of the customer to the product and making sure that your product is really solving for their needs, their workflows, and is really kind of a seamless addition to their kind of journey, as well as then reflecting that product back to your customer and communicating it in terms that make sense to them and really match what they're looking for. And I think it's a virtuous cycle that really kind of starts with the voice of the customer. I think right from when products are built, it's really kind of mandatory that there's a strong understanding of customer needs to ensure that you are building something that really satisfies a gap in the market and can have product market fit. But I think at every stage of your product journey, no matter what level of product or feature, it's important to continue that kind of flywheel of of product and customer feedback to enhance the product and make sure that you're building what actually matters. So totally with you here. So let's all understand that voice getting the voice of the customer is really critical. What are some of the ways you find it the easiest and most successful to capture that voice? Absolutely. I would say I think of it as two different ways to get the voice of the customer. One is directly, it's talking to your customers, participating on customer calls, going to customer events, you know, spending a day shadowing a customer, like really just making sure you're spending time with your customer, getting to know who they are. And then the second bucket is speaking to people who are closest to your customer. And so that's often sales, customer success, customer support. And I think you can get a ton of feedback from those internal teams. And depending on the kind of company you're at, the team structure, it's not always going to be as easy to go and talk to customers directly. And so often a great way to go about this is making sure that you're taking full advantage of the internal resources you have available to you and really having your customer-facing teams mirror some of that feedback they're getting to you, and then thinking about how to structure and shape it and present it back to product. So thinking about, you know, if you're getting feedback across a range of geographies and all the geographies have different needs or a range of verticals and they all have different needs, how are you then going to structure and prioritize the feedback in a way that actually helps the product team make better decisions? So when you think about, okay, so there's direct feedback you get, there's other resources that you're going to leverage. I think one of the other things is when we get feedback or in this case, also when we sort of serve as the the collection point from the voice of the customer kind of that's throughout the organization, how do we sort of affinity map that and come up with themes and then share it back to the organization? Absolutely. And I think that's really the primary value that we can add. Like sales teams could share their own feedback. You know, you don't need to be there as a like filtering layer. I think Mm -hmm. you do need to be there as a translation layer and thinking about the right affinity mapping and the right kind of target audiences and making sure it's the right feedback that is reflected back. And then I know one of the the other things that we talk about is where, as a product marketing person, do you use the voice of the customer? I mean, it's almost easier to say, where don't you use it, right? But, but, <laughs> but, 
but some of the, the key places that you've used the voice of the customer in your work? Definitely everywhere. I think exactly to your point of where don't you use it? Let's start with messaging and positioning. So I believe in your messaging and positioning framework being something that is a flexible living document that you you know really refresh over time and making sure that that is constantly being updated with the latest insights that you have. And then I think you can use that messaging and positioning to influence a lot of different deliverables. I think the website is often the primary one, really making sure that your website reflects what exactly it is that your customers are telling you, what they're looking for, all of your sales and marketing collateral, your pitch decks, the scripts for sales teams, customer success or customer support FAQs. So definitely all of the deliverables that marketing is responsible for, as well as just using it in the product. I think the best way you can use it is rather than using it just as a way to tell a story, is using it as a way to make your product and your experience better and making sure that there are direct recommendations as a result of the voice of the customer that are reflected in the product and communicating that story and that evolution of the product to the customer within the product as well. So you asked for this feature, you mentioned this pain point, and here's what we've come up with in direct response to that to really show that you're listening and you are trying to address a specific customer need. And depending on on your product and how many use cases it kind of meets, you know, that's not always going to be clear. So think about how can you, you know, segment that out and say, hey, customer X, you know, if like this kind of persona, I want to make sure you know that this feature can be used for this use case that we have heard from you and that's what you want and this is how it solves it. And, you know, using an in-product communication tool to really differentiate by each customer persona. So it's interesting when you talked about the in-product messaging tool, because one of the things as you talked about, when we when we think about that sort of ongoing evolution of messaging, the ongoing listening to the market, the way we talk to both our market and the way we share information with our internal partners has to be a little bit different, right? It's not like, here's the one sheet for the sales team that's going to do them for the year. I'm going to come talk to you once a year. Like There has to be an ongoing means of communication. And you talked about using in-app or in-product messaging for your customers. Are there other ways you do that with your customers? And also, how do you do that with some of your internal partners so that they're brought along as we continue to evolve? Absolutely. We definitely have regular touch points with all of our internal teams, making sure they understand the insight itself, how we are reacting to the insight, where it's going to be reflected, when it's going to be live, FAQs, you know, what future versions will look like. So making sure you have that regular touch point, both in meetings as well as a written post. So for any change that goes live in our product, we write a change of what's launching, why are we doing this, what's the timeline, what are the resources, what do you need to know, so that any internal stakeholder who is regularly interacting with customers has all of that information available to them. We'll also communicate directly with customers through things like webinars or trade shows and you know make sure that they understand the changes to our product. But you're always going to be competing for a customer's share of mind with a ton of other tools that they are using. And so I think the real value of in-product communication is that it's contextual, that mm. you're giving it to them when they need it. You know, I might send an email about a webinar that's happening two weeks from now for a product that one of our customers isn't really going to use for the next three months or, you know, just isn't top of mind for them right now. 
And so sometimes those launch comms don't really stay top of mind. So what is going to be more effective is three months from now when they are in the product and they're doing you know, the tasks that they need, that they understand what the tools that they have at their disposal are to make their work more effective. Do you think that this is a different problem in the B2B space than it is in the in the B2C? I do. I think it's definitely different for B2B and B2C. And I think it's also different based on how helpful a tool is for your day-to-day work. So let's take as an example, a finance tool. You know, there might be a tool that helps with like quarterly closing and you really have to look at it, you know, at the end of each quarter versus a tool that the finance team is in day-to-day. So different tools become relevant at different points of time, right? Like TurboTax is relevant to me once a year, but I'm not really spending much time thinking about it for the rest of the year, whether I was a, you know, acting as a consumer or a business. And so I think it really depends on not only B2B or B2C, but understanding how your product or service is really fitting into someone's daily life and whether or not it really is daily, weekly, monthly, like how regularly are they using it? How top of mind are all of the various updates going to be for them? Excellent. So do you have any, I know you've been doing, you've been doing this lots of different places for, for quite some time. Can you give us some stories or examples of kind of how the voice of the customer has led you in your career and with your products? Absolutely. I'll give you a couple different examples. So one example is in my most recent role at Ethos. I recently went to a trade show where we were able to interact with tens of thousands of insurance agents who are our customer. And what I find really helpful about trade shows is it's a chance to practice your pitch hundreds of times. You know, I was staffing a booth, practicing my pitch, getting feedback, and it was so helpful to be able to get that kind of A-B testing on the fly. You pitch it once, you see what questions someone has, and then you're able to incorporate those questions into your next pitch. You have someone describe it back to you, and then you pitch it to the next customer, you know, using the pitch that someone else has used. And so you're really able to battle test your messaging in that way and get to something that lands. And I think what was really helpful there is we had four or five of us at the booth and everyone had a slightly different background and slightly different angle that they were you know, approaching talking to customers from. I was there as head of product marketing. We had our head of sales there who had a ton of insurance industry background. We had someone who used to be a former agent. We had a customer success manager who is used to answering agent questions daily. And so all of us have a slightly different angle when naturally giving our pitches and talking to customers. And it was helpful at the end of each day to see, hey, what did we find resonated? What did other people say to us that we thought was an interesting way of you know, describing the product? And I think my key kind of cheat code here is your best messaging is often going to be the messaging that a customer gives to you. And it feels like a hack because you're like, I didn't come up with this and this is my job and someone else came up with it. But that's what helps you really understand out of everything that you've put out there, out of everything you've told them, what's stuck? How are they going to describe it back to you? And what is going to be the description that they would use when talking to someone else and pitching your product? And very likely you should stick to that description. So with insurance agents, you know, there's a lot of kind of referring products to one another, talking about, you know, tricks of the trade. And so I would often ask an agent a question around like, how would you describe this to someone on your team? Or how would you describe this to another agent? And they were often using the kind of language that was not 
necessarily something that, you know, was top of mind for me. And that was super helpful because I was able to adapt my messaging and positioning to reflect that. That's so interesting. Whenever we do a beta, we just started this. Whenever we do a beta here, it's one of the questions we ask the beta participants, right? After you've gone through it, it's like, that's great. How would you describe this to someone else? And I don't even remember why we did it the first time, but just to your point, it was gold, right? It really helped us see oh, let's refine our language. Let's see what also stuck out to them as the biggest benefits and maybe prioritize our language differently than we had before. Exactly. And I think the other thing that is so helpful is they're talking in human terms. I think it's very easy when you're writing your messaging and positioning to talk in business speak, right? Like the number of times I've used the word streamline in, (laughs) um, in my messaging and positioning. And that's not actually how they are talking to one another. So it is a helpful reminder of this is how you're going to communicate that same point in a much more natural way. And we should all aim to do that as well. Excellent. All right. Now you said you share, you share a couple. So let's get another example. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I found really helpful is when I was at WhatsApp, I had you know a couple of friendly folks on the sales team that I worked with really closely. And I would send them my messaging and positioning before sharing it with anyone else. And they kind of served as the customer for me to say, hey, read this over. Does this make sense? What are the initial questions you have? What isn't clear? Like which of your needs still aren't satisfied by reading this? And this is largely for new products that we were launching. And that was just a really helpful part of the process to codify as part of my workflow. So, you know, do your first draft, send it to one person, do your second draft, send it to the next. And I would get that feedback before sharing it with anyone else, any other internal stakeholders to kind of vet the messaging, just because they are like boots on the ground. A lot of the time, they know exactly how, you know, one of their noisiest customers is going to react to this. And so my tip for all PMMs would be to just codify that as a part of your workflow, build those relationships and figure out who are your people who are really going to reflect the customer here to you and then send it out. And in many cases, that really kind of saved us where, you know, before taking the messaging to a large enterprise customer, we had someone who was so used to working with that customer, had worked with them for years, had, you know, spoken to them daily for the last two years, and they could really accurately reflect what the customer cared about. We were able to put that into the messaging in advance, and then our launches landed much better as a result. And you get a couple of advocates already, right? For the messaging when you, when you shared it along, that's always good. Exactly. And then my final tip here is about using AI. I mean, I think just the proliferation of generative AI in the last few months has been such an incredible tool for a product marketer. And there's a lot that a lot of folks have said about this, but I think where it becomes really helpful to test your messaging and positioning is using the AI as someone to like riff off having a conversation with. So for example, when ChatGPT first came out, we asked ChatGPT, hey, like give us a pitch about instant life insurance, which is what our product is. And it gave us a pitch that really like matched a lot of our pitch, which firstly, whoa, (laughs) I can do this pretty well without, you know, anywhere near the amount of time spent on it as I have. But then kind of going back and forth on like, okay, what are the differences between the AI pitch and our pitch? Is this something that could be used to describe any product? Does that mean that our messaging is too generic? And then if so, how do we need to refine it to really show off our unique value props? So just not any instant life insurance player could be saying the same things. And then asking about tone, you know, how would I change this tone for different types of audiences? And I think using AI to really give you 
those different types of messaging for different use cases is really helpful and has been just like a helpful thought partner to use when defining any kind of new messaging. It's, I like the fact that you talk about using it to help you identify where you need to do differentiation, right? Because I think that's one of the fears with AI is that if we all use it, then we all start to sound the same. And I think one of the things that is a product marketing manager's really key roles is to not only figure out the sort of positioning and messaging from the organization overall, but really make sure that it's differentiated from the space, right? That it really exactly. focuses on this distinctive competency. So I think it's it's an excellent hint, right, to use AI to help see the spots where that may not be occurring today. Yes, absolutely. And I think really focusing on who your target market is and getting the tone right is really helpful. So for example, when I worked on WhatsApp business products, those are most often used outside of the US just because WhatsApp is most prevalent outside of the US. And often the people that we are messaging to aren't necessarily English speakers as their first language. And so what does that mean for the language and and how we're talking that we need to be aware of? You know, how are regional players describing their products that we need to be a little bit more aware of? Like, what are the trends in other parts of the world that we need to think about? And AI can help you with all of that. Like, you know, how would you write this pitch for an Indian market? And what are the trends in India to be aware of? you know, when you're talking about communication platforms. So use it to really get all of that intelligence that will help make your messaging a lot more precise and a lot more catered to your ICP. Excellent. All right. You've given lots of good hints and lots of good advice. If you've got someone, let's say, relatively new to the product marketing space and you really wanted to underscore with them sort of the the importance of voice of the customer and how to leverage it, what are some other sort of hints or tips that you would provide? I would say a key tip is just to spend as much time with customers as possible. This is something I didn't really understand early in my career. And I spent a lot of time talking to internal teams and working with the product team, but I didn't necessarily understand how valuable it would be to spend time with customers myself. And it wasn't something that I necessarily knew to be a key part of my job. So when I was at Microsoft, you know, it was just so large that we didn't get to spend a lot of time with customers. But when I moved to a smaller company, I didn't really realize how much access I had to actually being able to speak to these customers. So my main advice would be stay close to your sales, customer support, customer success teams, like spend a day responding to customer support inquiries and seeing which questions come up the most, you know, attend those conferences, go on those customer visits, actually hearing the insights firsthand is absolutely just going to make you a much better product marketer. In addition to all the you know traditional skills you need to learn, just spend a bunch of time with your customers, actually try and answer their questions firsthand, and you will understand what it is that you need your messaging and positioning to do for you. Couldn't agree more. I think being with that, every time I'm out in the market, I, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know how I'm going to clear my schedule. I don't know how I'm going to make time. Oh, we've got travel. And every time you're there, my first thought is, I can't believe I don't do this like every day. It's so powerful. Exactly. And, you know, even if it's not necessarily travel, figure out the ways that you can do that daily. Like when I was a more junior product marketer, I would spend a lot of time looking at, you know, Google Analytics and seeing which pages our customers visited. But I wouldn't spend a lot of time looking at just our customer support tickets and what questions people were asking. Both of them are equally accessible to you but spend the time on the qualitative in addition to the quantitative. 
and make sure that you're really understanding a lot of those needs instead of just focusing on more abstract data that you then have to come up with hypotheses around. Excellent. Anaria, is always great having you on. I think you provide excellent insight and the experience you bring to the conversation is always wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Really enjoyed chatting with you again. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. <laughs>